Welcome to Talking Mopars, episode number 167. This is a replay of a live stream that I recorded on Sunday night with my new friend and full-time pro artist, Thomas Estrada. Thomas is super talented and is even a licensed Rat Fink, Don Garlitz, Carol Shelby, and Evil Knievel artist. He's even done work for DreamWorks, Disney, and the WB. It was an awesome show, and I can't wait to have Thomas on the show again. So without further ado, if you are a Mopar enthusiast, then you are in the right place. Don't go anywhere. You're tuned into the best Mopar enthusiast-driven podcast on planet Earth, and I'm your host, Chris Albrecht, better known as the Mopar Hunter, and this is Talking Mopars. You're listening to Talking Mopars with the Mopar Hunter, your direct connection to all things Mopar. The A833 is the famed four-speed found in our beloved Mopars from 1964 until 1979. I have one in my 72 340 Roadrunner, and when it was time to get my shift together, I reached out to pass in performance. So, if you're rebuilding your A833, need parts for it, or if you're looking to leave it in the hands of a professional to rebuild it for you, look no further than Passin Performance. Jamie Passin is an expert when it comes to these units, and I highly recommend heading over to PassinPerformance.com to get your shift together. Welcome to another Sunday Night Live edition of everybody's favorite podcast, Talking Mopars. I'm here today with... An amazing artist. I love, oh, I love automotive art. And Thomas and I linked up through our connection, our mutual connection with Muscle Cars at the Strip. And I saw the artwork he was producing. And I was like, man, that is awesome. And uh, we ended up working out a deal where he'd come on the show and tell us his story. And I know this show is mostly centered around <laughs> Mopar enthusiasts, but I, I really wanted to branch out. And I put the feelers out there and see what other automotive enthusiasts we could get out there. And, man, I couldn't think of a better way to start that new trend than with Thomas and the amazing artwork that he puts out. Thomas, welcome to Talking Mopars. Thank you for joining me tonight. Oh, man, I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for having me. This is awesome. I love doing this. This yeah, is I, so cool. I, uh, I'm a wannabe artist. I wish I could draw. I really do. I've tried, but it takes me... It takes me probably three days to put out something you could probably do in, you know, a third of that time or less. So I, I really oh. admire people with your talent. Oh, man. I mean, we're all growing. You know, I think all of us artists who creative types, you know, we're I don't think any of us, at least for me personally, ever feel like we're ever arrived or have gotten there. Like we're always striving to getting better and wanting to improve. And that's just part of the process, you know, and I don't think that ever goes away, you know, at least for me. And, you know, and I try to, to share that with, um, you know, I often get other artists will that are starting out or their students and they will often message me or I hear from them or email and they'll say, you know, what, when am I going to get to that point where I'm just comfortable and confident in what I'm drawing? And I'm like, you're, you never will. Like it's just <laughs> never going to happen. And, and it's just one of those things that you have to learn. You have to learn to, to um, you, it can, it can go one of two ways that feeling 
of where you're not very confident or comfortable with what you're doing, some people will take that and it'll just be so um, debilitating that they'll quit because they just can't get what they want, you know, that they see in their head. And Or you can take it the other way and you do a drawing and you're happy with it. Like myself, I'm happy with something I draw for about 10 minutes. Oh, and then I'm like, this is the worst thing I've ever seen. I can't. <laughs> I can't wait until I start the next one because the yeah. next one's going to be even better. And you just take that feeling and do it in a positive way yeah. to where you want to improve and keep getting better. And, and, but it, it's always there. I mean, I, I still to this day post stuff and then 10 minutes later I delete it because I'm like, this, oh, this thing is horrible. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I can't relate because I, I don't have those abilities, but I can imagine, you know, w when it comes to an art form, like for me, my art form is podcasting and talking to people. And I don't even, I can't listen back to my shows because I'm always like, oh, I, I missed a, I could have asked an amazing question right there. Or oh, so. yeah. I, can't, I can't imagine what it's like having an it's amazing drawing. <laughs> it's the same thing. I think it's anything, anytime you're in that creative realm, there's always going to be those things where you're going to look back at it. I mean, whether you're writing or you're podcasting, you're always going to look back at the thing that you just created and be like, <laughs> man, I, yeah. I wish I would have done that. And, yeah. you know, but instead, you, you know, I'm sure you were probably like this next one, though, is going to be yeah. incredible. Yeah. You know, yeah, it's that it's constant kind of strive, that's constant strive for perfection, which just makes us better as we go. Um, and that's what you want it to do. You know, you don't you don't want it to make it to where you just quit and give up. You want yeah. to use that to keep improving and getting better. And, and it's been that way since I was four years old when I just first started drawing. Yeah, that's so awesome. So let's 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 go back in time. And how did Thomas get started? In, so yeah, I mean, speaking of that, we um, you know, going back in time, I I remember being you know four, probably my, one of my earliest memories, four or five years old, you know, drawing with my brother, my older brother Andy, and I used to draw a lot all the time, and and this was even before you know I I entered school, and and back then, to me, it was just something that I did. I didn't think it was anything I was particularly good at because I was just a kid and I didn't really yeah. have any good reference point. My brother and I drew and that's what we did. But I do remember very clearly though, it's funny, uh, kindergarten uh, drawing something in class. And it was the first time where some of these other kids classmates would like look over my shoulder and they're like, Whoa, how did you do that? And that was the first time where I was like, wow, maybe this is something that I'm, actually good at because there wasn't very many things that I was good at <laughs> and that was that one that was the first time where I was like oh they seem to be to me it was like I don't know it's just what I did and yeah and so it was that was the first kind of like time where I got that little taste of oh this might be something that I have um one of the very few skills that I have <laughs> that I can do and it just became that thing all through school you know I was uh you know, I drew on everybody's brown paper wrapper book covers and I yeah, yeah. I was on all the production stuff in class and the yearbook staff and all that thing. And <laughs> so it just became my thing because again it was it was one of the very few things I was not very athletically inclined. I was not very <laughs> academically inclined. Guilty. And so yeah. <laughs> so thank God I had that one little thing that yeah. I could actually 
do and that I, that I was passionate about. You know, it's just something that I wanted to do all the time. I was never had to be told to draw. In fact, it was the opposite. It's like quit drawing on all your stuff, you know, because <laughs> all of my paperwork, all of everything had cartoons down the side, you know, and, and I was a fan of, you know, Mad Magazine and yeah. Rat Fink. I loved drawing the hot rods like so many young boys. I was fascinated with the big engines and the tires and the smoke and the yeah. flames coming out of the yeah. sides. And that was just something that I just loved doing all the time. And, um, but, uh, as I, as I got out of high school, I didn't go to college. Um, I just kind of got a regular job. In fact, I was, I didn't know really at the time, I didn't have a lot of direction on what to do with my artwork. And I, and again, going back to that insecurity thing, I didn't know if I was even good enough to make it into a profession. Yeah. So to me, it was just a hobby. It was just something that I did for fun. And I had a regular job. In fact, um, I ended up working because I didn't really have any real good skills. I was working in pest control. I was killing okay. bugs for a living. <laughs> and, you know, it was a good, decent paying job. Like we, we, uh, my wife and I, we got married. We, I started working in that and, um, we had a house and we had our first baby and, and so I was doing that, but uh, art again was just this kind of thing on the hobby on the side. And so it stayed like that for, you know, quite a few years, um, after high school, like five years, I, I just did pest control. I killed yeah. bugs for a living and I figured, uh, all right, you know, it's a living. I'm, providing for my family. I don't yeah. particularly love the job, but you know, it's what I do and I'll keep drawing on the side. I was doing little murals and I would do stuff for, um, friends. You know, we had, uh, this was back in, you know, in the, before all this in the eighties, you know, we had different, I had friends that were in bands, rock bands. And so I would design logos and whatever, just odd kind of things for that. Um, and so it kind of stayed that way for a long time. And in, um, 90, 96, 97, uh, I ended up meeting a, we went to a family reunion for my wife and she has a large family and we ended up discovering, I found out there was a cousin, it was like a third cousin of my wife's that she didn't even really know okay. that worked at Disney. And we're like, oh, there's wow. a guy here that works at Disney. Like, oh my God. So I wanted to go meet this guy. And I found him. He was drawing. He had a sketchbook and he was drawing. <laughs> and I went up and introduced myself and he was, his name is Larry Flores. And I said, I, I, uh, I like to draw, but I don't know if I'm any good, yada, yada. And he was just the nicest guy. He, he kind of took me under his wing and he, I told him, I, well, I didn't go to college. I don't have any uh, art training or anything. And he says, well, you know, Disney, uh, this was when we were doing hand-drawn animation. Okay. He said, they don't, they don't really, they don't really care about a degree. They want to know what you can actually do. Yeah. Like so many creative jobs, it was more about your performance than a mm -hmm. piece of paper. So he started teaching me kind of the entry level of animation, which is called in-betweening. In-betweening okay. is where you take two drawings that your supervisor does, drawing like number one and drawing mm -hmm. 10. And it could be a head this way and then drawing 10, the head is this way. You yeah. take those two pieces of paper and you flip them back and forth and you do the iterations, the in-between drawings. Oh. And so he was teaching me that. And because he said, when you submit, a portfolio of your life drawings to Disney, they're going to make you take this in between test. So he knew that was the thing I needed to learn. Okay. And so um, I ended up and I'll try to get through this fast. We were at, uh, I submitted to Disney, my portfolio life drawings. 
um, because that's the thing they want to see. They want to see how well you can draw figure drawings because okay. they know how hard it is <laughs> to draw the human body and animals yeah, as anybody sure. who draws knows. And so they like that stuff. They said, we want you to come in and take the, uh, well, they, at first at Disney, they said, we like your portfolio, but they were in between films. They just finished um, Hercules at the time. Okay. And so they said, come back in a few months. And so I was really bummed. But there was a brand new studio opening down the street that had just started their first film called DreamWorks. And they were working on a movie called The Prince of Egypt. (laughs) So I went over to DreamWorks. In fact, I was in my pest control uniform and truck because I was working in the area. So I always remember pulling up to DreamWorks. They used to be on the back lot of Universal Studios back then. They were in a little office building. And I pulled up to the security gate, and I remember the security guy kind of looking out the window, and he (laughs) saw my truck. He let me right in. I just drove right in in my pest control truck. Oh, that's funny. Thinking I was there to, you know, to service the place. (laughs) So I drop off my portfolio, and I get a call a few weeks later, and they said, come in and take the in-between. Just like, all right, I think I know what I'm doing here. Yeah. And then uh, so I got a job. I, my first professional gig was working on the Prince of Egypt at DreamWorks. Wow. And that just changed my whole world. You know, I was, all of a sudden I just I could not believe that I was going to get paid just to draw for a living. It was just unbelievable. Wow. That that is absolutely crazy. Um, yeah, I've always kind of wondered how that how the animation stuff works. And it's crazy to me to think that somebody who wasn't who didn't go to like an art institute or something like that just based on their natural gifts was able to go in there and land a job with dreamworks <laughs> you know it was nuts and it was a lot of you know it's a, it was a lot of things that happened at the right time you know they they were hiring people for that film cuz they just started mm-hmm. whereas disney had just finished the, the film so they weren't hiring anybody um and that you know i i got that chance um with Larry helping me and showing me what to do. There were some people in DreamWorks that kind of helped me um, submit it to the right people. What was really funny, and I'll tell the story really quick. So I'm working on Prince of Egypt and they're, each character is a different unit and you're assigned, you're cast onto a character. So I was cast onto the Moses character on Prince of Egypt and my supervisor was one particular person, but there are supervisors on all the other characters. So after Prince of Egypt was done, about a year later, I got brought back to work on a movie called The Road to El Dorado. And so I came back in on El Dorado, and they cast me on the character Tulio. And when they brought me in, the producer was bringing me to my new supervisor, and it was uh, her name was Nicola Courtney. And I knew who she was, but because I was on a different unit during Prince of Egypt, I didn't know her personally. But now I was going to be working for her for the first time. And I remember they brought me in and they said um, uh, Nicola was in her office and she was drawing. She had her back to us and the producer came in and they said, Nicola, this is Thomas. He's going to be one of your assistants on this film. And her head kind of popped up. And as she slowly turned around, she said, Thomas Estrada, did you work in pest control? Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And I'm thinking, did I spray her house for bugs or something? I'm racking my brain. I'm like, yeah, I did. And she said, "Um, I remember when you came and applied here 
a year ago on Prince of Egypt because I was on the review board of the portfolios. She said we had stacks and stacks of portfolios coming in. Wow. And I remember looking through all of them. And she's like, I liked your, your life drawing stuff. Don't get me wrong. Like, I thought you had a lot of talent. She's like, but the thing that caught me is I'm looking through your little resume thing. And it says current occupation. Most of the people that are applying were coming out of art school. They were, yeah. they were coming from other studios. And yours said current occupation, pest control. <laughs> and she said, uh, I remember thinking, look at this guy. He's got no training, no experience. He's working in pest control, and he wants to be an animator. And she said, why don't we, why don't we bring him in and let him take the test and see if nice. he can do this? And I was like, wow, like my crummy job, like actually. What a, what a cool story. Isn't that great? And I, I mean, I, I, I'm, I still talk to her this day and I, I always thank her for giving me that break. And she's just like, yeah, I thought it was just interesting that this guy working in pest control wants to work at DreamWorks. And so we gave him a chance and I got in. Wow, what an awesome story. That That's so cool. Um, for those of you in the chat, stick around because towards the end of the show, um, Thomas was gracious enough to gather some awesome Mopar art that we're going to be giving away. Oh, yeah. So stick stick around. Here's here's some of yeah. the prints here we're going to be doing. Yeah. Got a few things, so yeah, hang out for that and yeah. we'll, we'll do some of those. That'll be a lot of fun. So stick around, folks. Um, so you get this job at DreamWorks. You're working in animation finally. Is this the first time you were actually paid for your passion and your art? Um, there was a time before that when I was about 14, there was a lady that we knew. I think my mom, I'm not sure how we knew her, but anyway, she um she used to make those uh rubber stamps like on the wood blocks and they she would sell them like at swap meets and uh trade shows. And she hired me to draw art that she would turn in to the rubber stamps. And so oh, this God. was in the mid-80s. So I was drawing a lot of killer whales and unicorns and um pegasus and she would give me a list of drawings that she needed for her rubber stamps and i would bring a bunch of these drawings and she would go over the ones that she liked and she would give me some cash and that was the very first time that i actually got like paid but as far as professionally like working in something like that yeah dreamworks uh prince of egypt was my very first professional wow. gig yeah it was just unbelievable i couldn't believe that i was working on a major motion picture and i'm this guy that was killing bugs two weeks yeah. earlier you know that's crazy shout out to muscle city madness ruben was also in pest control so he can relate was, but yeah i mean it's you know it's, it was it was an honest living and i yeah. i figured you know i guess i'll just do this and you know and do the art thing on the side and that was kind of uh i was not thinking about animation at all until i we met larry flores at the family reunion yeah. crazy standing out in the crowd in the pile of portfolios pest control stood out to them. That's, that's so cool um you never know yeah so so tell me more about how you went from dreamworks to all these other awesome projects that you got involved in so with from there i was on el dorado and and then what happens a lot of time i was supposed to we finished that while i was supposed to go on to spirit was the next uh, dreamworks film about horses but it had some story problems and so it got shelved which a lot of these movies do mm -hmm. and then what they do at that time a lot of the rank and file animators like myself often would get laid off mm. uh, and come back when the movie's ready and so i got laid off at, after el dorado and so i was kind of figuring out what i was going to do next and um, I picked up some freelance with Disney on the, the Tigger movie. Um, but then um, 
the DreamWorks thing just kept getting extended longer and longer. The break, they said three months off and it was five months off and it was six months off. And pretty soon I was like, well, I can't really wait anymore. I got to do something. And so I went back to Disney and I got on there uh, onto a film called the, uh, the Emperor's New Groove. And I got hired full time at Disney. And then we finished that. And I did a little work on Atlantis after that. And then um, at that point, DreamWorks called me and they said, hey, Spirit's ready. We want you to come back. But I just got cast on to Treasure Planet at Disney. And so you kind of have to do this thing. And I was like, well, I think I'm going to stay here for a while. So I ended up staying at Disney. And they were totally cool. It's very professional. They're like, well, if anything changes, let us know. And so I stayed on with Disney on the Treasure Planet. And then we did uh, their last at the time, their last hand-drawn film was called Home on the Range, was a movie about cows. And um, so I ended up working on that. And then I went back. When that finished, they were switching everything over to computer animation. And so a lot of us were kind of in this in-between, where are we going with this thing? Because hand-drawn animation was just being phased out. So I ended up going back to DreamWorks because they were working on their last hand-drawn film was called Sinbad and so I worked on that and then everything kind of switched over to computer and so we had to learn this new tool and it was you know it was just a really interesting time because at the time I didn't even know the computer I didn't even own one I had to buy my very first computer and learn this new software so I was able to do that and and I got cast on to um on the Shark Tale was my first CG film at, at DreamWorks and then that turned into uh, Over the Hedge. Um, uh, I worked on that. And then we went through another um, in-between stage, in-between productions. So I was out of work again, which is very common in the animation industry. You can find sure. yourself in between gigs quite a bit. But because I had this new skill with the computer animation, it opened doors to video games. So I ended up getting hired onto a video game studio and we were, it was at Technicolor, it was actually, and Technicolor had a small um, contract kind of video game where we were a studio where we were helping a lot of other studios finish their games. Okay. So it was a lot of variety. I was working on games like God of War 2, and then we worked on Spyro the Dragon, <laughs> and then it was Gears of War 2. Then it was another Spyro, and then it was like Saints Row, and then I got to work on Uncharted, uh, Drake's Fortune. So it was a lot of these different types of games that we were doing when I was at Technicolor. But it was cool because the game stuff was coming in more steadily, so I was working more, yeah. uh, you know, more consistently, that kind of thing. Um, that eventually led us up to Salt Lake City. I, I got hired back with uh, Disney once again. They had a video game studio in Salt Lake. And they relocated me and my family uh, up here. And I, I continued working with Disney for another nine years on Disney Infinity and a bunch of their different games. Um, that ended up closing in uh, 2016. Okay. The studio Avalanche ended up reopening under WB, working on what just got released was the the new Hogwarts Legacy mm. game. So I worked on that Hogwarts game for about just maybe a year Actually, not even that. Maybe just a few months uh, before I ended up resigning and just kind of going on my own. Wow. So were you drawing cars this whole time or is that something you got into later on? So it's funny. The uh, So as I, I – the cars thing I, I started when I was really little because okay. I loved Rat Fink and I loved Hot Rods. Yeah. And um, 
but I didn't really do it anymore for all those years. I was so busy working with animation and then with the computer animation, I was drawing even less. I was just on the computer the whole for the next, you know, 10 so years, you know, maybe geez, 2003 until 2016, I was just on the computer and probably uh, 2016, uh, we, we had, we'd gone on to WB we started working on this Hogwarts game and it, it was a different type of animation. It was motion capture, which is very technical and yeah. there's not a lot of creating keyframe animation. And so I started just kind of dabbling with drawing. It was actually a friend of mine, uh, Adrian Ropp, a colleague was doing some comic cons and I went to help him on a panel. We did a Disney infinity panel and I was hanging out with him at his booth at this Comic-Con, and I've seen all these drawings that he's doing, and it just looked like so much fun. But he was meeting people from different projects that he had worked on, and they were and, – and so I started drawing again, just kind of messing around with it. And there was a lot of things going on at that time at the studio um, – you know, my, my mom had just passed away and, you know, I was getting into my late forties and you start reevaluating your life and where you're doing with whatever time you may have left. And sure. so I'm thinking about a lot of that stuff and, you know, call it a midlife crisis or whatever. But I, <laughs> I was just like, you know, you start seeing people going and you're like, wow, I don't, you know, you start realizing life is short. It's not yeah. as long as you thought it was when you were a, a young man. <laughs> yeah. And so I was drawing a lot and I started, I did a couple of comic cons and it was just so much fun to just draw again. And it just kind of sparked something where I was just like, this is really cool. And as we started booking more of these shows, um, we finally, I finally just came to this, this uh, decision, like, let's just do this for a while. Like, you know, we're, we're having, I'm having fun just drawing. We're getting out, starting to travel a little bit. And so I ended up resigning from WB. I, I quit to just start pursuing full-time freelance. So now for the first time, after all these years, I have all this time now to be drawing again. Yeah. And as I'm just drawing, goofing around with different things, I started drawing a hot rod. I saw something with rat fink and I was like, wow, rat fink. I haven't thought of that in years. Yeah. So I started drawing hot rods again. And it was just like, oh, my God, it's so much fun. I just feel like a kid. I feel like I'm <laughs> nine years old again, yeah. sitting in front of the TV at the coffee table. It's my sketchbook. And I just started drawing the hot rod stuff, and, and it was just a blast. And, and so I started posting some of that stuff online. And someone eventually put me in touch with the Ed Roth estate. You know, Eileen Trixie Roth is uh, uh, runs the, the Ed Roth Incorporated. And um, they, uh, I was able to sign on as an official, officially licensed Rat Fink artist. That is so cool. I always wondered, I mean, because the Rat Fink and Ed Roth, so iconic in the automotive industry. I always wondered because, yeah. I, I, you know, the artwork is still getting produced and I never realized that it's freelance artists that are powering yeah. it still. That's so cool. So how, if, if somebody is an aspiring automotive artist and they're super influenced by Rat Fink, how does one go about uh, being a licensed Rat Fink artist? Well, I mean, it, th there's actually, if you go to their website, ratfink.com, there's actually a page on there where you can apply, you can fill out a form 
and apply. And, you know, I, I know they get pretty busy over there. And so it may take a while sure. uh, for them to get back to you. But if you're persistent and stick with it and, you know, and you show that passion that you have for it, which I did, I mean, it was just something that I loved. I, I loved the the grittiness of it. Yeah. It always felt underground, like Mad yeah. Magazine and yeah. something kind of rebellious. And I just love that feel. And fortunately for me, um, you know, all of my stuff I do is now hand-drawn. I, I was never very good at illustrating on the computer. I can do the yeah. computer animation, yeah. but as far as drawing on the computer, I'm not very good at it. But it kind of lent itself really well to Ratfink because it feels like the stuff that Ed Roth and his artists that he had, you know, cause he had artists even back then that was drawing oh, wow. that stuff for him. Wow. I didn't know that. Yeah. And so my kind of style kind of fell into that really nicely cause it was pen and ink and watercolor. Yeah. And, and so um, I was lucky in that way that I was able to, to do that stuff and it caught their eye. And, um, but yeah, that's probably the, the best way to do it is just to, apply for it on the website and and hopefully you know they'll they'll uh they'll get back to you yeah that's i mean it definitely says something because anybody who's a fan of cars that is an artist and gifted like that you can imagine that they would that's like a dream job to be a oh artist <laughs> you know i couldn't i couldn't believe it i mean that was just like one of those things i mean i, I think as a as a young artist as a kid you know, it's kind of that fantasy you have, you know, it's like, yeah, you know, I remember drawing Marvel stuff, you know, Spider-Man and, you know, you think you always have this fantasy, like, you know, uh, Stan Lee's going to call me and say, you know, we need you to do this stuff for us because it's just <laughs> so good. And so to have something like that, to where, you know, to get their attention and, and for them to, you know, to actually do that officially, yeah, it's such a dream come true. I'm so thankful for that yeah. to be able to do that. That's so cool. So when you, when you go to these events, are, are you drawing or are you just uh, selling your merchandise and stuff That's like that? You know, yeah. we, uh, we'll set up a booth and uh, we do have a lot of different merch, like the, some of the stuff I was showing with prints. And, yeah, yeah. you know, I've, I've, I've been able to produce things like, you know, coffee mugs and yeah. I do can like canvas prints and this yeah. kind of thing. And then I also do a lot of original work, whether it's commissions, um, taking commissions, or sometimes I'll do them on location, you know, provided I have the time. And yeah. so it's a lot of the, a lot of different things like that. And you'll see a lot of the different artists will bring original stuff, original paintings, or sometimes you paint, you know, if you find those cool uh, oil cans or yeah. cool gasoline cans and yeah. paint some rat fink stuff on there. Oh, cool. So it's a little bit of everything, you know, that's, that's kind of the cool thing about it. When you, you know, they have the rat fink reunion uh, in, in Manti, Utah, where Ed Roth lived for many years. And um, it's a, just a gathering of all the different rat fink artists and fans and uh, families. And they have the car show and the rat fink show. And it's just a blast because you just get to see all the different stuff that all these other guys are doing from airbrushing t-shirts oh, wow. and yeah, pinstriping. I could never do the pinstriping thing. Man. <laughs> so I, I love, I'm so fascinated by seeing those guys. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. That's cool. So not only are you a licensed rat fink artist, but you also are licensed for quite a bit of other stuff. What else are you licensed to do artwork for? So 
the some of the the you know i do a lot of obviously like a lot of fan art kind of thing mm -hmm. but the the official type of things that i've been able to do you know probably one of the you know one of the big um crowning achievements for me just because i'm such a big fan i i'm a huge music fan i i grew up with rock and roll and blues and country and you name it i just love music in general and one of those is uh you know i've always been a big uh, foo fighters fan i've been a fan of dave Grohl, you know from back in nirvana days and when he first started his band and yeah so i because of my animation background I do a lot of caricature stuff, you know, like the Don Garlitz and that kind of thing. Yeah. Just because I have the cartoony thing. So I was doing some cartoony caricature uh, stuff of uh, Foo Fighters, Dave Grohl and the band. And kind of the same thing with Radfink. I was just posting it online. And um, so I, I actually got um, – I got in touch. They actually reached out to me, um, the Foo Fighters management, and they said, hey, we like your stuff. Like Dave loves your stuff. And uh, I got invited to a couple shows and they said, you know, we'd love to talk to you about doing something. And again, it was just this mind blowing, like, oh my God, I can't believe this is happening. And so I got to, to do some official work with the Foo Fighters um, on a, a festival they did a couple years ago. Um, uh, after that, you know, th things like uh, I got to work with Don Garlitz, Big Daddy Don yeah, Garlitz. And, yeah, legend um, in the Mopar. Legend. <laughs> Huge. I mean, it's that was, again, he's just one of those icons, you know. Yeah. Um, they they saw something that I did and I ended up doing I donated a couple pieces to their museum and then they commissioned me to do a painting. In fact, it was this one. It was much larger, the original. Wow. They commissioned me to do a painting for his 90th birthday, which was uh, January a couple years ago. And they ended up inviting me to go to Florida to meet him and present oh. this to him at his 90th birthday celebration. Cool. And they put the original painting is now in the, the, the Don Garlitz drag racing museum in Ocala, Florida. And it, it oh, was just man. one of those, such a thrill to, to meet the man, you know? Yeah. Um, so that was cool. I did that. Um, I've gotten to do some work with the, uh, the evil Knievel estate. I have a, a licensed limited edition print that I do that I have through them, uh, as well as uh, a piece uh, with uh, Carol Shelby. Um, and then I've gotten to work with uh, uh, some really cool people in the, the automotive world of, you know, Danny Coker, who does the counts yeah. customs. I've worked with all those guys and I've worked with several of the, um, the no prep King street outlaw, uh, different drivers. Yeah. I've done some work for those guys. And so it's just, it's just such a cool thing because you just never know, you know, nowadays with social media, you can post something online and you never know who's going to actually see it. You know, I did some drawings a while ago of uh, American graffiti, the car movie. Yeah. And Paul Lamatt, the actor who plays Milner, like, contacted me he's like dude i love those drawings I'm like oh my god i can't believe you and he you know wow. he reposted them and that kind of stuff and it's like that stuff's always just so so cool oh man that is awesome it's got to be crazy to have a piece of your art in the don garlitz museum that's so crazy nuts. yeah it's so crazy because i've i've had you know different friends or followers will message me and taking a picture in the museum and there's next to one of my one of my pieces there and yeah. that kind of stuff is really cool you know i um 
you know, one, one of the coolest things for me was with the, um, the, the Foo Fighters, you know, after that, that kind of finished, I was done working with them. Um, it was soon after, uh, you know, Taylor Hawkins, the drummer for the Foo Fighters passed away recently. And, um, he had several side bands. And so he had one of his side bands called Chevy metal. And (laughs) one of the, the, the bandmates, one of the guys in Chevy metal contacted me and he screenshotted a, a painting that I'd done of Chevy metal. And he's like, dude, do you have a print of this? And I was like, yeah, I think so. I'm like, where'd you get that? And he says, um, well, Taylor Hawkins owned it. I'm like, are you kidding me? And he's like, yeah, wow. man, he, he had the original. I'm like, where do you get it? He's like, I don't know if somebody bought it for him or if he got it. He's like, but he's telling me this story that Taylor Hawkins had this painting that I had done. And he said he had it framed and it was in his home studio. And he's telling me how much Taylor loved it. And he was, he wanted to make sure it was in a place that people could see it. And I was just like wow. crying, man. I'm just yeah. like, it just meant so much to me. I mean, it's always mind blowing to me that anybody would put one of my stuff displayed in their home. Yeah. But to get that from somebody like that, that I admired so much and that was now gone to hear that, after he was gone that I had no idea. I didn't know he yeah. even owned that, that he'd ever even seen it. And wow. The fact that he had that in his house was just like, Oh my gosh, it was just so cool. That is so cool. yeah, stuff like that's always mind blowing. And yeah, to have something in the Don Garlitz museum is just like unbelievable, you know? Yeah. That's man that as my buddy Ruben said, that's epic. <laughs> that is definitely epic. Um, so crazy. Wow. As an artist, I mean, that's, a, <laughs> that's like an it's honor, such, right? It's <laughs> such an honor. You know, anytime anybody, um, you know, sends me a, a photo and, you know, they're like, Hey, I've got my stuff displayed here. And it's like in their living room, like above the, the mantle or it's in their studio, you know, or their garage. It's like, dude, the fact that you just took the time to take my stuff and put it on your wall, like that's just such a crazy thing. Uh, I never take that for granted. I'm always yeah. just so honored by that. Like how much that means to me that, that you've got my stuff displayed in your house. Like it's yeah. so cool, you know? Absolutely. Um, wow. That's, I, I can only imagine what that must be like. That's, that's so cool. Um, with the giveaway stuff, I, I think I want to I want to mention this now so that we can get it going a little bit. Um, yeah. If, if you have good questions for Thomas, post them in the comments, and we're just gonna start going through them. You won't you won't win twice, but uh, I think this is this is a good question. Um, this is from Raymond. Uh, you do you do several different types of art. What's your favorite medium? Hmm. Man. I, I could say the thing I probably use the most, again, because of the rat fink stuff, um, you know, I use a lot of ink, uh, ink pens. I use a lot of these, uh, like, brush pens. Like, there's this Pentel pocket brush pen. Yeah. And with that, I, I incorporate a lot of uh, watercolor mostly um, and acrylic. So ink and watercolor um, are really popular. I I use that a lot. I've been trying um, to to learn uh, oil painting a lot more, like mm-hmm. the Taylor Hawkins thing and the Amy yeah, Winehouse is, those are all oil. And it's been really challenging for me to try to learn that. So I've really been loving that, that medium, the oil, but I, I try not to get myself boxed in to anything. Like I want to, 
I want to keep growing. I want to keep getting better. And so I, I try to pick up new stuff all the time, whether it's, you know, I remember doing pastels a while ago and, and then, uh, yeah, the acrylic paint and the oil is probably my favorite thing right now, just yeah. because it's new and That's it's cool. super challenging. It's, it's so hard to, to master that watercolors. There's, yeah, I can't really say one in particular because <laughs> I, I bounce around so much between different yeah. stuff. You know, people yeah. often ask me like, what kind of, what kind of style do you, do you consider yourself to have? And like, sometimes I feel like do, maybe I need a style, but I don't think I have one because I'm doing stuff that's more cartoony and then more yeah, stylized yeah. and it's kind of just all over the place, you know? And sometimes I think that's a bad thing, but at the same time, it's like, no, it's kind of liberating because I just feel like I don't have to just stick with one thing. I can just do yeah. whatever I feel like doing. Yeah, that's cool. <laughs> Thomas did this recent, it's a collage of all the most iconic movie cars and their characters. And I was oh, going yeah. through it and I was like, there's no way he's, I was the first one I thought of, and we were just talking about it last night on another show I did. Cause as a kid, I loved the movie Corvette summer. And I was like, oh, no yeah. way. No way he's got Corvette Summer on there. Boom, there's Mark Hamill as Kenny Dantley from Corvette Summer. I was like, wow. And then I'm like, no way does he have the ambulance with Captain Chaos. <laughs> like, like, oh, my God, there it is. Wow. So, yeah, you covered all the bases. <laughs> and there's still so many. Like that poster that I did, there's so many properties on there. But sure enough, I post that, and there's always somebody like, hey, where's that? Where's Hurry the Love Bug? And oh man, you missed a such like dude. I can have yeah. eight hundred of them on there, and yeah. there'll still yeah. be somebody that will say, "Hey, where's so and so?" Like ah, so yeah. I, I gave you so much extra credit when I saw the Corvette Summer Corvette. I was like, <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> to me, that was man. That was one of those cars as a as a young boy. I was like, that's the coolest thing I've ever seen. I mean, yeah. you look at it now; it's pretty ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. but man, it's just so outrageous. Like I just thought this is, this is awesome. So yeah. it took the thing that took me a while with that one was getting the caricature. That's the hardest part for me <laughs> is getting Mark Hamill and getting it to actually look like him, yeah. you know, and, and my wife, she's the best for me be, with in that regard, because I very all the time when I'm doing a caricature like Mark Hamill or anybody, I will take it to her and I will quickly turn it around and if she doesn't see it in the first few seconds and she's like, as soon as I hear that, I'm like, all right, I'm starting over. <laughs> but if, if I show her and she's like, oh, Mark Hamill's like, all right, awesome. Then it's working. I just trust her with all of that. And she's, she's been wow. the best for that. That is so cool. And it, it's funny. You mentioned the Corvette from the movie because we were talking about it last night. Cause I, I, I've admitted that I really like the C3 Corvettes and I would love to have one someday, um, which is like sacrilege because I'm such a Mopar guy. How dare you? I know we were talking about how much I loved that car and how I thought it was the coolest car. And then now I look at it and I'm like, wow, that's, <laughs> that's it's a little so over the top. It really. And then the other thing is when I start drawing this stuff is I start learning more and more about the cars and because again, when you post stuff, you'll get all the comments if you do something wrong. I think on that car, isn't the steering wheel like on the opposite side? Yeah, yeah. Um, they the did a right-hand drive conversion on it. Yes, because the first time I drew that, there was an older version I had of that, and I didn't do that. Oh, and boy, God. I got hammered in the comments. <laughs> Everybody was just like, what the heck with the steering wheels on the road? I'm like, 
I had no idea. So I went back and looked at it. I'm like, oh, my God, they're right. So I had to yeah. redo it again. And I get a lot of that stuff. Man. I mean, you, especially with the car guys, man, sometimes it's like I have to tell them, like, dude, relax. It's a cartoon. Like, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I'll get these notes sometimes. Well, you know, the taillight's not really shaped like that in the 68 Camaro. I'm like, but you don't have a problem with the giant friggin' rat sticking out of the top of it. But you're going to tell me it's not realistic because I got the shape of the taillights wrong? Like, dude. Calm down, oh man. That, that is such an internet thing. Oh my god, it's oh my nuts. God. So you got to really learn to roll with some of that stuff. Yeah. And I, yeah. I, I will try to remind people this is a cartoon. Yeah. I know it doesn't have the correct number of lug nuts. <laughs> but give me a break, man. It's got a giant motor and a giant monster hanging yeah. out of the box. Also, you should just start hashtagging it artistic liberties. Seriously, yeah. <laughs> That's it. Don't even just artistic liberties. <laughs> That's funny. Um, here's a here's a good question from Ruben from Muscle City Madness. He says, uh, my daughter is an amazing, amazing artist at seven years old. As a parent, what can we do to keep our kids into art if they have the talent um, for it? Is it digital, the future, or keep her on pen and paper at her age? Hmm. Well, I mean, unfortunately, I mean, if you're going to get a job working in professionally, most of it now is digital, even what traditionally used to be the hand-drawn stuff like storyboarding or character design has gone more and more digital, but it all starts off with traditional skills. Um, The pencil and paper, it's the cheapest, easiest that you can take with you anywhere form, Uh, but you don't want to neglect or not do the digital because I know there's a lot of people that, you know, that get like that, that just like, I just want to draw on paper. And it's like, well, that's all cool. But if you want, you're really limiting yourself as far as getting a job later on, because that's just kind of the way it is nowadays. I mean, if before, you know, if you go into like a character design or concept art, you know, working for a studio, you know, more often than not, your supervisor or the director will come in and say, we really like this character. Can you make his head 20% bigger yeah and it's yeah. like if you had to draw that and it's like and we need it like in <laughs> five minutes it's yeah. like having to redraw that you're sunk you know but yeah. nowadays you can take that and just do whatever you want with it um but you definitely don't want to ignore just traditional drawing skills um probably the most important thing as a as a kid for me was just having that support, um, whether it was yeah, getting the supplies. You know, my dad was always just amazing about buying me. He bought me my first airbrush and my compressor, and I had cool <laughs> pens. And you know, he whatever he was able to do, and having that stuff helps. Um, learning the basics, the foundational stuff. You know, as far as underdrawing and gesture drawing, and learning perspective, and learning the figure drawing. All that stuff, especially with humans and animals and perspective, learning to build a character from the inside out or whatever that is, whether it's a car or a person, there's a process of starting with the geometric shapes and the skeleton and you have the underdrawing and then you're layering stuff on top of it. 
if you can learn that as early as possible, the better. You know, a lot of young artists like myself, when you're a kid, you tend to draw on the outside, the contour. You want to do the cool yeah. details first. Yeah. And but if you don't have the foundation and the underdrawing underneath it, it's gonna fall apart. And so you want to learn that stuff as early as possible. Building stuff from the inside out uh, is really important. Very interesting. Great question. How many pieces do you have to give away? I want to make sure that we're. <laughs> oh, I mean, I have just three right here, but we can do we can do more than that. I mean, I have I have several of these prints, so I don't know. Let's do. Um, I don't know. What do you What do you think? We can, can do we maybe. Do, can we do five? Yeah, we let's do, do that. All right, that's two. So we got Ray, Raymond and Ruben. Right um, let's move it on down the list. Let's see what we got here. Here we go. Mrs. Dutch Guy's Garage. How many hours do you spend on an average canvas? Oh, can like a like a painting or I guess um, answer answer both a, a regular drawing and then a painting. So like eleven, like eleven by fourteen is probably my most common commission. Um, I tend to work fast because. Doing something like rat fink, it it you wanna at least for me, just speaking for me personally, I don't know about other people, but when you're drawing something that's rat fink, like this kind of thing, got some crazy uh, yeah. monster. Um I if I sit on a painting too long, it tends to really flatten out. And so the faster I can do it, it really maintains that kind of kinetic yeah. energy yeah. and so something like this i may knock out maybe i don't know maybe in 45 minutes or an hour something oh like my that God. wow that i mean well, i'm not a, that's amazing but you have to consider i mean i've been doing this for you know close to 50 years now since i was a little kid but i tend i i have to work fast just to keep that energy because if i slow down to me it really loses a lot of life and it really flattens out something though like a painting like an acrylic like the the taylor hawkins back there um, because it's oil you have to slow down like you can't put layers on top of layers when the paint's yeah. wet so you literally have to wait days in between oh, wow. color so something like that may take me you know a couple of weeks um so yeah it just kind of depends on the medium some stuff acrylic paint dries much faster, and so you can knock it out, you know, within a, a, a couple hours. The illustrations, again, yeah, something like that, maybe an hour, just because you can put that stuff right down really quick. And again, it just works better for me if I do it as really quickly. So that's probably what it is. Very interesting. Wow, forty-five minutes—that's that blows my mind. Uh, let's see here. What else do we got? Oh, here's a, here's one from my buddy Johnny Mopar. Have you ever drawn a car, and that it inspired somebody to later build that car? Has oh, that ever man. happened? That's an interesting question. I don't think it has. Um, no, not that 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 somebody has ever built. No, I've had cars that people have built and that I've drawn. I've had people that have taken my drawings and turned it into like a tattoo or something, but yeah. no, I don't think they've ever built one. I don't know if I've ever actually created a car from scratch uh, just out of my mind. Everything that I draw is usually something that already exists. Yeah. You know, a lot, almost all of my commissions are you know, guys, people with their car yeah, and they want yeah. me to dr turn it into a rat thing. Yeah. Art, you know, and that's the cool thing that I, I enjoy about that. You know, sometimes I'll get, 
criticized where people will say, well, you know, you're just drawing Ed Roth style and come up with your own thing. And, and it's like, you know, I, not only am I a fan of Ed Roth and that genre and the, everybody, the stuff they were doing then, um, that the fact that I'm able to give something to somebody, you know, some some of these guys are 75 years old and it's like, I grew up with rat thinking to, for them to be able to see their own car as an official rat think where I can put the little Ed Roth copyright at the bottom. And, and that's something really cool. That means a lot to them that I I never dreamed I would be able to have my car and, and they wouldn't otherwise, you know, um, without those original guys being around any longer. And, and so the fact that I'm able to do that for them really is really cool for me. And it's something that means a lot to them as well. No, absolutely. Uh, I, I have never once said, man, there's too many uh, rat fink style. <laughs> That's one of my favorite automotive art styles, if not my favorite. Um, yeah. You know, there's, there's so many great guys that are doing that today, you know, and that have been doing it even for a long time with Trousley and, um, you know, and there's so many online that it, other rat fink guys. And I love seeing that stuff. I, I get so inspired by so many of the designs that they do. And that's what keeps so many of us going, you know, and that's what, you know, that's what keeps me going is I, I see some of these drawings like, man, how did they do that? Like, God, I gotta, I want to do something like that, you know? Yeah. That's awesome. All right. Here's one. I'm going to, uh, I'm going to change this question around a little bit, but it's funny. Right uh, my, my buddy tall Johnny says, when you see a Holly carb, does it put you in the mood for creating art? Like it makes me want to go kick a C3 Corvette's ass. <laughs> uh, I'm going to switch it to what inspires you to create some of this art. Yeah. To me, it's always other artists seeing what other stuff people have done. Um, so much of it is just my own nostalgia, you know, which is why you see things like Corvette summer and cannonball run and American graffiti. It's stuff that I grew up with, you know, and stuff, you know, uh, the general Lee was one of my first, just like the coolest (laughs) car I've ever seen. The sound that it made when the general Lee was jumping over a river that, like, yeah. <laughs> oh my god it was just so cool i mean i remember having my little general lee car watching the show and i was just fascinated by that stuff i i loved just the sound of it i loved the tires and so thinking about those things you know i still watch regularly american graffiti and i love the cars i love the you know just the 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 idea of the whole thing and so seeing those stuff you know just flipping around online and seeing just some really cool old muscle car you know roadrunner yeah. like dang yeah. that is just the coolest thing i've ever seen and yeah. and i want to draw it you know it's like i want to turn that into something cool or or thinking about something like you know smoking the bandit and it's like wonder what that would look like as a rat fink drawing yeah. to do burt reynolds just like ah, with the, <laughs> the gear shifter and the whole thing and so a lot of it's just my own uh 
childlike you know thoughts in my head about this would be really cool to see you know one of these properties you know turn the 18 van and put all yeah. of them piled on the back as a rat think art just that would be kind of cool to see so much of it is just my own fandom it's just yeah i want i want to see what that looks like yeah so cool um this is a an amazing idea from ruben um would you ever be willing to come on the podcast and do a live drawing Oh yeah, man, that'd be awesome. That would, would be that. absolutely epic. Yeah, uh, we're gonna have to figure that out. Uh, that, for sure, that's, that's a great idea, Ruben. Thank you for that. Yeah, yeah, no, we I've done those, and I'll do them at um at car shows as well. I had a a really cool opportunity. We were at the we did a Ratfink reunion at the um at the Corvette Museum in oh. Bowling Green, Kentucky, and yeah. and I got to do a live drawing of a, a vet and then they um auctioned it off later and it, it was a lot of fun it, you know it's it's one of those things i have to try not to focus that people are watching me dry it drawing live <laughs> and you better not screw this up oh man but, um, i could imagine that pressure that's crazy <laughs> but it's fun I, I i like doing them but yeah yeah we could totally do that yeah we'll have to figure that out i, I gotta have you back on the podcast this is for sure man definitely um it, it's it's been a fun experience hearing you know, how you go about doing your work. And um, yeah, once again, um, we're not done quite yet, but uh, thank you again for coming on. This has been a lot of fun. Oh um, man, it's, it's a blast. And it's, you know, it's, it's just one of those things that, you know, I, 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 uh, again, I, I don't take it for granted. I, I am so thankful and appreciative that I get to do something that I would consider a hobby yeah. for a living. And it's <laughs> like, I, I know a lot of people don't have that and i'm i'm very thankful for that i feel very blessed yeah. that you know that i get to just goof around i just feel like a kid just drawing silly and sometimes i think it's just this is nonsense that i'm doing yeah <laughs> well i can tell you right now I, the wheels are already turning in my head like oh my gosh what can i commission him for i'm just <laughs> thinking like oh, yeah. the roadrunner i got in the garage i gotta get I, we're gonna have to talk about that once it's out and about at uh in las vegas i gotta and the logo you about for your uh for your podcast here yeah i i'm i talked to thomas i'm gonna find a way to i need i need to refresh the logo i got this poster behind me back here that needs to go away i would love to have the art that you did on my wall and uh it definitely needs to go on t-shirts like i was telling you before the show started so many people reached out oh, to yeah. me like get that on t-shirts and i'm like relax i'm trying trust me when i saw it i was like oh my god there it is yeah um, man, for sure so yeah we'll be talking about that but um if you if you guys have any more questions for thomas feel free to uh post them in the chat um, let's talk about muscle cars at the strip. Is this your first time going to one of Phil Painter's events or have you been to like cars? Oh, it is the first time. No, yeah, this is the first time. Um, I got, I got in touch with Phil, um, a while ago, we were working with one of the, um, with one of the no prep King guys, the, uh, street outlaws. Oh, okay. Um, I was working with, um, dominator, dominator, yeah. dominator Joe Woods, and yeah. I got to do some, some designs for him. And then that, uh, that got me there with, uh, with Phil. And then, um, so we got to talking about different shows and this stuff. And, and I had seen that he had been doing these. And so, um, yeah, it was just like, let's do this. You know, I told him that, uh, you know, I, I'm doing more of these car shows and so he invited me to 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 be the one of the featured artists there 
for for his event in vegas and yeah i'm super excited about it i think it's going to be a blast yeah that's going to be a lot of fun can't wait to meet you in person shake your hand and see your see your awesome art in person um here's an interesting question we uh, usually i typically the guests i have i always ask them you know do you have what what do you have what do you have for a car do you have something special or is that something you're working up to or what I would love to. I don't. Um, yeah. but the closest thing I have to anything that's like a classic car is um, I have a, I think it's a 1958. It's a 13 foot travel trailer. It's called a, uh, oh, cool. it's a fireball. Uh, it's called a fireball. Um, it looks like one of those canned hams, those old okay, yeah, yeah. travel trailers. And I'm currently, um, refurbishing it uh i i'm turning it into what i what i my dream is is to turn it into basically a mobile art store display yeah uh piece that i can take with me to car shows because i want to keep it very retro looking it's got the cool two-tone and i put in the checkered linoleum floor awesome and i want to put in all the little chrome pieces and the idea once it's finished is to take it to car shows where i can have it basically as a backdrop kind of attention getter where yeah. i can set up a booth in front of it have the cool little canopy yeah and then people can actually come in and i'll have i i just put in a bunch of display shelves display my art So it'll be just something cool to take that I can show some of the stuff that I'm doing and people can come and check it out. And, um, that, that's a little bit easier for me as far as, I don't know how well I would do trying to refurbish or restore an actual car with an engine. (laughs) (laughs) Just having this big canned ham is kind of more in my wheelhouse there. And, um, so yeah, that's, that, that's something cool that I've been working on. Yeah, no, that's awesome. So I guess uh, the second part of this question is what's your dream car? What's your dream hot rod? Oh man. Tough question. So that one's always a tough one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I mean, keeping it in line with, with your, with your sure. program here, <laughs> I've, I've always loved to me the, the coolest car growing up. Yeah. Was the, the generally e, uh, yeah. charger. What year is that car? That charger It's a 69 charger. That to me was like the epitome of cool. I mean, it just had the coolest sound, had the coolest angles, like just yeah. the body shape on that. Um, to me, that would be that would be the 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 number one. Like, man, if I could have one, that that would be something <laughs> cool to, to own. If those '68 to '70 Dodge Chargers are some of the most beautiful cars ever made. I think just everybody beautiful. can agree on that. You know? Yeah. And honestly, when I'm drawing those, I do the commissions. And when somebody hits me up for one of those, there's certain cars where it's like, all right, you know, it's got enough angles that I can get away with quite a bit. And it still looks like that car. But when you get something like a 68 Charger, they're (laughs) they're just so subtle, the curves and the lines on those. And it could be really difficult to, to really nail the look. A lot of the, the Mopars, you know, I notice have a lot of that, you know, those early ones where it's just, if you don't get that just right, man, it, <laughs> it just gets thrown all off. You know, when yeah. you do a, you know, I'll do a, a CUDA or, you know, or Super B, it's like, yeah. you gotta, there's some really subtle, you know, lines that they have that, that you really got to study and get that down just right. To close out the show, I want to, I want to ask this question just because I'm curious. Um, what is the, you've drawn so many different cars 
And I'm curious, what has been the most challenging one? Has there been one where it was just like, man, I just can't get this one. And you just have to keep reworking it, reworking it. I did a, um, trying to think that, yeah, there's, there's been a few of those. It's usually, which is, which is kind of weird because you wouldn't think it's very difficult, but like the, um, the early Dodge Dart, which is, it seems very boxy yeah, and it's just yeah. a regular, but it's so particular, that body <laughs> yeah. shape that I've drawn a lot of them that I'm still not very happy with because yeah. it's you to get that body shape just correct that way is really tough. Um, that one is it the the swinger the swinger is also a uh, and I'm sorry I don't know all of my cars that's but all right no yeah the swinger is a dart that I remember doing one of those and I was like dang I cannot <laughs> get that look it's got a really that high um, the the windshield kind of sits up kind of high yeah but then that the box of the body is um it's kind of short but there's just something about it that's really particular yeah. that it has such a cool look um but it's really tough to nail down and to get it just right because yeah. i'll draw that one and i'll often post those and every now and then people will especially <laughs> the big dark guys oh, be, God. you know just missing something and i agree i'm just like yeah i'm still working on that one like trying to get that one down just right that's probably been the most challenging one is that really? swinger that wow. swinger dart for some reason i don't know why but it's just it's got that just a really particular shape you know yeah. and, um it's so subtle you know it yeah. doesn't it's not like a mustang that has really defined you know sure. exactly what yeah. the mustang looks like or corvette it's got berries <laughs> like yeah. well it's unmistakable but the dart it very it looks like a dart but there's just something about the body angles the way the back angles and the hood yeah. angles and that little short box feel is just yeah. man it's so tough to get for some reason yeah interesting is well, that Tom weird Thomas, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on. We got to have you back on the show. Definitely want to talk about this live drawing. That's definitely right something interesting. Um, yeah, man. I will see you at Muscle Cars of the Strip, March 17th. Through the, are you going to be there all weekend? Yeah, yeah. We're going to be there the whole time. Um, so, yeah, yeah. Come by and see me. Uh, yeah. Also, you can find any of my stuff online. You know, I'm on a, a Instagram or Facebook. If you look for Art of Thomas Estrada, you can see me on there as well as my website, artofthomasestrada.com, yeah. yeah. where I have a lot of um, prints and different things available, whether it's hot rod or music stuff. Yeah. Um, and then hit me up as far as commissions as well. You know, I, I uh, that's one of the, the coolest things I have is doing commissions where people literally from around the world send me a photo of their car and I turn it into a rat fink, whether it's rat fink driving or it's a caricature <laughs> of them yeah. or family member or a personality. I love doing those kind of things. So, yeah, hit yeah. me up. I mean, this is this is my full time gig is what I do for a living. That is so cool. I'm I'm gonna have to have you do a character of me with my Roadrunner. That's gonna be oh, fun. Man. I know a lot of my friends. My a lot of my friends would make great characters. So I'm gonna have to Absolutely. reach out to them, have them reach out to you. Um, yeah, one thing. One thing I want to mention uh, before we shut it down here. Um, if you go to artofthomasestrada.com, he has got some awesome Ratfink style Star Wars art that is oh, yeah. so cool. <laughs> 
I was like, oh, um, very. Oh, yeah. You guys need to go to the website, check out his work, buy some prints. It's really awesome artwork. And hey, if you've got a cool car and like this is a great guy who would be an amazing character. (laughs) A character of uh, my buddy Dustin. Um, He's uh, he's got it would be hard for him to pick a car that he wanted. (laughs) He's got so many, but um, definitely. Oh, here's a here's a decent question. I like this one. Just to give people an idea, I'm sure everything is different and it varies, but for, for your average, like um, the prints that you're giving away, if somebody sent you a picture of their car and a picture of themselves, how much would a commission um, like that go for? So my I start, my smallest that I do yeah, is the 11 by 14. Okay. So it's, um, it's like that size of that print. This is the 11 by 14. Yeah. So for a custom original of a car with a driver, um, I think on the website, I'd have to check again. But I think the I, I'm starting those about 500 bucks, okay, or something yeah. like that. And yeah. what it how it works is, uh, I do a deposit up front. And here's okay. something I, I need to mention: okay. be careful um, when you're out there with commissioning anybody online. There's so many scams going on. Yeah. There just literally just popped up recently another Thomas Estrada, Art of Thomas Estrada Facebook page, but it's not correct the same as mine but it looks like mine so be careful who you're sending money to make sure sure. you verify that it's the person a good it's a good idea to like for mine if for example like my facebook page art of thomas estrada i have you know twelve thousand followers i have a website yeah i've been there for more than more than a month (laughs) look at that stuff i'm i'm now even requiring just a quick phone call just so you can talk to me to make sure you got the right person. Yeah. Um, So it, because there's so much of that going on right now and it's really a drag and I don't want to see people getting ripped off and losing their money. So make sure you're talking to the right people. Um, But what I do is, is I, I do, I take a deposit, a a 50% deposit. Um, I always do a preliminary sketch first. So, Mm -hmm the client can see where I'm going. If it's I'm yeah. in, heading in the right direction, as far as the car, the caricature, and yeah. that's the part where they can give me notes, tell me, Hey, fix this. Can you add this, 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 and that. And then once it's finished, then the balance is due. Um, and then the cool thing with that is you're getting a, an original hand painted piece. And I have other options. We can do paintings and all yeah. that, but that's all on there, but you get the actual hand, painted original piece with a certificate of authenticity. And then the cool thing is you can take that. I can then take that artwork, digitize it and turn it into merch, you know, like the t-shirt here. And so we can do a lot more stuff with it after the original piece is done. We can add the title. We can do coffee mugs and metal signs and all that stuff. But that's kind of where it starts. Uh, Probably the, the base is uh, uh, about 500 bucks for something like that. That's awesome. And for, artwork of the level that you produce um a screaming deal if you ask me oh man thank you i appreciate that and uh, i do appreciate what you're doing as far as like battling these scammers man it's uh, i've had people steal my stuff (laughs) i'm like really you're gonna resell talking mopars merchandise (laughs) like come on come on guys it's crazy Uh man yeah, and you try a, to watch, you know, I try to watermark myself. I'll put my web page right across my artwork. Mm-hmm. I've seen ads listing t-shirts and there's my web page right across the artwork. Like they don't even bother to even remove it. Wow. They just put it, leave it on there. And they're selling t-shirts with the watermarks right on it. So yeah. I don't know what else to do. 
except just trying to give people the heads up, like just be sure who you're talking to, make sure they're established. If you can make a phone call and talk to the artist, even the better, yeah. you know, cause I've seen that with so many of the guys that are out there. Uh, Bitchin' Designs is one that's been getting hammered a lot. Uh, uh-huh. Micah, uh, Micah Doodles. And yeah. there's so many of those dudes. And um, I just finally, it, I was, in the clear for a long time and I was happy. <laughs> and then just recently there's somebody who's like, Hey man, there's another Thomas Estrada out there selling your stuff. I'm like, ah, oh. man. So yeah, it's, it's, it's a drag. Um, so you just want to, you know, be mindful and do your homework yeah. and make sure you're, you're dealing with the legitimate people. Absolutely. And on a positive note, support the original artist and yeah. uh, his work, but thanks again, Thomas, for coming on again, people. And thank you. Our- artofthomasestrada.com it's right on the little ticker at the bottom of the screen there definitely go check out his work um yeah. it, it's thank you everybody awesome. for for tuning in and listen i i appreciate uh, that you took the time to, to hang out absolutely anytime we're definitely going to do it again thank you folks for watching and joining us here on another sunday night live of talking mopars remember no mopar left behind and hopefully we will see you at muscle cars of the strip in las vegas march 17th yeah, come by and see us. through the 19th we'll see you then all right guys See it. There you have it, my friends. Another episode of Talking Mopars is in the books. For everything you need to know about this show, you know where to go, TalkingMopars.com. And you can reach me by emailing Chris at TalkingMopars.com or by leaving me a voicemail on my voicemail box at 209-28-MOPAR and you just might get to hear yourself on the show. So keep sharing those Mopar stories with me and anything else that is on your Mopar addicted mind. Before we shut this podcast episode down, I want to give a special shout out to Passin Performance. For all of your Mopar 4-speed A833 needs, visit PassinPerformance.com and let Jamie help you get your shift together. Also, special thanks to my friends at DIYHemi.com. For those of you that don't know, Blake has rebranded DIY Hemi, so although the website is still DIYHemi.com, DIY Hemi is now Sublime Technologies. So if you've been considering swapping a modern Gen 3 Hemi into your classic Mopar, then reach out to Sublime Technologies, get a hold of Blake, and tell them that I sent you. Blake has supported me from the beginning of this show, and I also support him in his mission to Hemi-swap the world. Also, don't forget how important it is to keep your Mopar protected from the elements. If you need protection, don't wait. Head on over to TalkingMopars.com, click on the Affiliates tab, and go get your Mopar covered today. That's it, my friends. Until we talk again, I am your host, Chris Albrecht, and that was Talking Mopars. Thank you for listening to Talking Mopars, your direct connection to all things Mopar. Until next time, remember, no Mopar left behind.